0: So, let's get into this. We're, um, last week, I basically talked about things we must know regarding spiritual warfare. And uh, some of it was due to spiritual warfare, others of it was due to legitimate reasons. And uh, I'm not putting any guilt or shame on anybody, but the truth is, there just wasn't enough of our people here to, uh, to leave it at what I shared last week, because not that many people get the CDs or listen to the, to the podcast. And, and this is something Grace Christian Fellowship as a whole needs to know. We are in a time of spiritual warfare there are seasons of spiritual warfare and those seasons of spiritual warfare uh, usually coincide with times of outreach or times of advancement in the holy spirit and we'll look at that in a second but as to there being seasons this is a different i i scripture i shared some scriptures that showed that there were seasons of spiritual warfare last week this week i'm using a different one Just so if you were here both weeks, you're getting something new. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. That's a season word, right? Casting all your anxiety on him, that's Christ, because he cares for you. You got any worries? The word casting means to roll it off of yourself. You got to somehow get it off yourself and get it onto him. Sometimes we need help getting it off ourselves and getting on him. No no problem with that, but that's what we we've got to we've got to let the Lord carry the burden. Whatever the burden is, the burden of our guilt, he he took on himself. The burden for the world is his is his burden. Etc. Whatever his burdens whatever is causing us to be anxious, we got to cast it on him cuz he cares for you. And guess what? He can care for me and he can care for Sam better than he cares then Sam can care for himself or I can care for myself. I try very hard to be a good pastor, but Jesus can care for Sam better than I can care for Sam. All I can do is try to be assist what Jesus is doing, right? And uh, hopefully not muck it up too much. Uh, but resist him, firm in your faith, Uh, What did we say? Be be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. There's real kind. He really does eat cheap, but resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, there's a season word, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, I wish I could stand up here and tell you something different. But when I came to Christ, I had this very, some very bizarre demonic experiences, such that I had to go through a lot of deliverance. And it took me two years of Bible study and pressing into God and going, uh, getting some counseling, a bunch of stuff to keep my sanity. My little brother died in the midst of it all, you know, stuff happened. And then things went well for in the lord and i went through college and was in this wonderful fellowship and got a lot of input from brothers who were friends and and uh uh, pastors they had personal pastoral care and you know i had pastors like peter manto and joseph mcauliffe and friends like ed zippe and you know don't mean anything to you guys victor tenbrink and larry trumbach and and so forth and uh mike manahan and Ken Jenkins and all this kind of stuff. And so things were fine and so forth. Then uh, God, the elders called me in and had me start a campus ministry. And we started sharing the gospel in the dorms. Things were just about to start really going well. And I got a phone call that my best friend had just been killed in a car accident. A guy who I had tried to witness to and had been best friends with 14 years. And as far as I know, he died outside of Christ. He was—he also died going 80 miles an hour the wrong way on a four-lane highway because they were just that drunk and high. He and another friend of ours who lived through it. But uh, you know, uh, I was staining my deck one time in the fall, and the phone rang, and someone came out and said, "Your brother just had had a massive." Uh, whatever you call it, aneurysm, and he's dying in Toledo, and there's no time to get up there before he'll die. But these things happen. You know, as you have indeed, after you suffered for, I I wish I could tell you that those were the worst experiences in my life. But the Bible says that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Many of you know that after 17 years of growing in the Lord, I kind of self-destructed in the ministry and went through a very tough season for a long time. All I'm saying is, you know what? The hard times, Ecclesiastes says, why do you ask, why do you say that these times are not as good as the former times? It's not from wisdom that you say this. The dark times are the good times. I remember my good friends, uh, Calvin and And Victor Tenbrink, their father, Eugene Tenbrink, I had many good talks with him. He came to visit us in Dayton, and he would always talk about a classic uh, concept that was in the Christian church in the Middle Ages called the dark night of the soul. Well, all I'm saying is, there's seasons where it's wonderful and it's like, "Oh, praise the Lord! Oh, praise the Lord!" Da da da. da. And there's other seasons where, if you uh, stay faithful to the Lord, at the end of the day, that's a victory. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, that's just the way it is. Okay, so we got that. I'm just trying to say, there's times of spiritual warfare. Now, the problem, what God wants to help us with. God allows the spiritual warfare for our sake. It's to help us grow. And you won't grow is if you try to attack it in your own strength. Part of the r- purpose of spiritual warfare, if you read this passage in 1 Peter 5, carefully casting your anxiety on him, the first five verses are about young men submitting to elders and so forth. The truth is God wants you to come to the end of your strength and learn how to walk on his strength. If you read Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, the classic passage about spiritual warfare in the New Testament, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, which is his. So 2 Corinthians 2, 11 talks about being outwitted by Satan in some translations, some translations say, take advantage of and we don't want to be ignorant of his schemes, devices, designs, et cetera. So, uh, I've added some things to last week, subtracted some things. So, it's a little bit different than last week, but some things are the same. I want to go th- through some things uh, first that bring an increase in spiritual warfare. And I want to teach us what we must know about spiritual warfare. Okay, in other words, and then I hope that next week I can do one last week on, on this since we had a good turnout today. Hopefully we'll have a good turnout next week and hopefully those who missed t- this morning will get the CD. But um, uh, I want to talk today about things that you got to know as a foundation if you're going to get through spiritual warfare. Okay, Satan is a deceiver. He doesn't come like... Hello, Kent, Edwin, Satan calling. <laughs> you know, the, the, this is going to be a test for the next 60 seconds. The, you know, the, the problem is not in your set. Okay, <laughs> well, the problem is in your set, but we'll get to that. Um, all right, so he obviously he comes with partial truths. He comes seeming like reasonable perspectives and so forth. So we have to learn to recognize him. Paul says we are not to be ignorant of his schemes. So that's what I'm trying to help us get started on this week. I have noticed that a a major sign of growing in the Lord is that you're less knocked to and fro when you go through times of spiritual warfare. Hey, can you get me some more ice water? I I ate too much salty food for breakfast. Would you mind? Thanks. should have followed Kent's advice and just gotten just a little something. All right, so, uh, Edwin was there to protect me. I don't know why. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's just my fault. All right, just kidding. All right, so some things we need to bring an increase in spiritual warfare. Or t- things we need to do, To things we need to understand that, that, that bring an increase in spiritual warfare. In other words, why do we have increases in spiritual warfare at different times? Okay, so the first thing is, you have increases in spiritual warfare anytime you have some degree of breakthrough or outpouring of the Holy Spirit, like when you first get baptized in the Holy Spirit, or actually when you first even believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is from God. You'll have an increase of things trying to keep you off the path of God for your life. Now, that's not just because Satan's such a nasty guy. You need to understand God is sovereign in the there is a satanic kingdom, and he has demons, and he has angels, and he allows them, and he will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But uh, the Holy Spirit actually allows you to go through seasons of temptation. The reason you need to be in the word, the reason you need to build habits of accountability, the reasons you need to learn how to walk in the light with the right people and all these kinds of things is because you will be tested. The Psalms say every word of God is tested as silver refined seven times. If God begins to show you some things for your calling and gives you a burden or whatever, it will be tested as silver refined seven times. We have such an instantaneous mentality. I would rather, you know, this, this may sound silly. I hope, I hope uh, John and Leah don't mind my using them as an example. But I've, I've said to them, you know what? If this year at Kids Rock, if we just have a good reputation with Miss um, Welch, is that her Yeah. And uh, sorry, uh, don't actually don't, get that, is that her name off the tape in case she ever hears, but probably won't. Um, with the school if we've helped a few kids, uh, if we've started to build, see a team come together, all of that would be tremendous fruit. You know, at rock campus fellowship last year, my goals were to become a student group, which took us four or five weeks into the fall semester to have some meetings. We learned by trial and error how to have a much better, we have a much better format for our Tuesday night meetings this year. And, uh, we have a much better team put together, and, and, and everyone is free to do what they do best, and, and it's going to be much more fruitful this year, even though we had a teeny bit of fruit last year, a few, a few people. That's great. You know, we're, we have this instantaneous thing in our culture. But ground gain inch by inch is not soon lost. That's more God's way. When Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you read Matthew 3, 11, he comes to John, he says, baptize me. John's like, I, I need to be baptized by you. Are you kidding? And they they do it anyway, and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. Thank you, Sydney. And um, then Jesus goes out and starts proclaiming the kingdom. Eh, not, right? Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, if Jesus needed that, how much more does Greg and John and Olga need that, right? We need it. The reason that Satan and his demons exist is we need them. We, we won't become very uh, solid people if we don't overcome the devil. You know, in one John chapter two, he writes to three types of spiritual ages: children, young men, and and uh, and fathers. And he says something slightly different to the children each time and to the fathers each time. But to the young men, he says the same thing both times. He says, I write to you because you're young and you're strong. You, you have, know the word of God and you've overcome the evil one. As you get strong and the word of God abides in you, then you get a chance like Jesus to use the word of God in the wilderness to, to 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 stand on what the word says about reality instead of what your feelings and demonic spirits and emotions and so forth. And you look learn to put your reality in God. Everybody has to go through that process. Okay. Now myself, because I was into the occult and drugs and so forth. Yeah, that process may be a little harder for some, but it's the same process for everybody. And God is able to store up the word of God in your life, and your heart, so you'll have it for the Holy Spirit to empower you with in the t- times of testing. So the first time that, the first reason spiritual warfare increases is when you have breakthroughs and outpourings of the Holy Spirit. If, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, expect you're going to have, uh, when you go through a, a, your first major deliverance session, expect that satan's going to come along and say you're you know you're going along God's path for your life and he's just going to say i want you to worry more about school and or you need to worry about whether you have a girlfriend or not he's going to try to steer you off the path you need godly people around you and the scriptures to, and you need to understand that if you're if what what you're going after is producing the joy of the holy spirit then it's from god and if other brothers are confirming it if it's growing in insights in the word. But I've seen Satan will take you off the path by any means. Jesus said, Satan comes and he has nothing in me. But none of us can say that. Anybody can say that in this room? You can finish the message, right? Satan comes, but he has nothing in me. As long as he has something in us, he he can use that what he has in us so we have to stay humble. We have to cry out to God and we have to say, keep me on the path. And, and when a brother or sister, we have to learn how to hear the word against ourselves. Some people never get on the path because every time someone confronts them, they, but, 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 but. That's how you know the sheep from the goats. The goats always say, but, but, but. And then you can't give them any help because, you know, every time, you know, I got fired from my job, but it was their fault. Uh, you told me I don't manage my family, but you don't understand. And, and you were confronting me about this, but, but oh my God, the Pastor John and Pastor Greg, they just don't understand me. But, but, but that's how, how you never grow. The self-deception is actually one of the major themes in the New Testament. And a self-deceived person always believes their perspective over spiritually healthy people's perspective. All right, second reason we have seasons of spiritual outreach is during seasons of new growth, new birth. Notice the woman who is the church was giving birth to a male who is the next generation of the church, and uh, and Satan opposes anything that's coming forward that has the authority of God in it for the future. Satan is not so concerned with churches that God moved in 150 years ago is the churches that are moving towards being a vehicle of God's movement now. John 3, 3 through 6. um, Most of you know these verses, but uh, when you're born in the natural, you're born out of water. When you're born in the spiritual, you're born out of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, when new birth is to occur, the you have to develop. We have this very, you know, e- unfortunately, the 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 whole revivalistic mentality that's partly started in the days of Whitfield and Wesley, but really was augmented by the t- days of Finney. It had some great things. Believe me, I've read the revival lectures of Finney. Love that stuff. However, this idea that that all conversions are instantaneous it, and, and, and as a result of coming forward at an altar and praying the sinner's prayer unfortunately that we don't go back and study those guys and see how much content they had in their message and how much they were actually preaching to people who are thoroughly pre evangelized who'd been in church 30 years and knew the gospel and so forth, but had just never really been born again or quickened. In other words, it's not the same thing. You know, we, we have people who've never heard anything about Christianity. We have a gospel presentation that has teeny bit of the gospel in it and they come forward and pray because the Holy spirit is knocking on their door but we, it's, it's kind of like we've uh, taken a baby that's been in their mother's womb for about four weeks and tried to t- take it out of its mother's womb and, ma- and cause it to live. It's not going to happen. Now, I'm glad with modern science and everything else that babies that are halfway through the pregnancy can still make it some days. But what Jesus is saying about being born out of water and out of the Spirit, you develop in Christ in an atmosphere of a, the Holy Spirit just like in in the natural you'd grow up in a sack of water amniotic fluid is 98 percent water and the longer you stay in that water the chances are higher and higher and higher that it'll be a healthy birth now up to a certain point because the baby has to come forth and begin to grow up on its own very gradually same way in the spirit okay it's people always going like i'm gonna go save my friends by you know uh, I'll be a stripper at a bar and, and then I'll witness in between dances, <laughs> you know, and, and I just go like, what? <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, if God is drawing people, he'll draw them to the turf of the Lord, so to speak. We are supposed to be, the reason we go through spiritual warfare when a time of birth is because God doesn't want grace Christian fellowship living as a temple together of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it, it, he doesn't want us helping each other, mow the lawns, move uh, from, you know, help one another move into new houses, what, uh, pray for one another, counsel one another and all that. He especially doesn't want us to do that walking in the Spirit. You know, it's possible to be very active in the church and, and not really walking with God. But just read about the church in Sardis. But he does not, if we we have a, the more we have a group of people who are seeking God, being filled with the Holy Spirit, going from glory to glory, getting set free of besetting sins, uh, walking in humility and mutual love and service and so forth, the more he's pleased to dwell here, the more this itself becomes the very place where people get birthed into Christ, not instantaneously but in a process. If you really study it out, New Testament, you'll see that that's a much more biblical way of looking at things. Now, so believe me, uh, a lot of the spiritual warfare that we go through is for the people we're reaching out to to get some kind of offense or, or hear something weird or whatever that causes them to pull back. The other thing that Satan wants to do is cause the people who are coming here to not really be walking with God. But the more we press into the things of God together, the more God can use this as the sack of development for people to be birthed in Christ. And this is even this is was true in the early church. In the New Testament, you see them baptizing people very quickly and so forth. But by the second and third century, they had actually moved to things like 12-week catechism classes, a whole year catechism classes. You had to go before the elders and, and, and declare your desire to renounce Satan and, and everything that was of the occult and, so, and, and the cult of worship of Caesar and everything like that. Why? Because you have to fully go through the door of Christ on his terms. We have changed it to oh just pray the sinner's prayer and you can well, most of the rest of the terms can be yours. That that's that doesn't really set people free. So you go through more spiritual warfare when when the church you're part of is in a time of new birth, growth, and outreach. That's when the accusations against the leadership and the accusations against the brothers you live with and and etc. cetera, increase. Three, seasons of decreased individualism and increased missional community. We live in what uh, Joseph Hellerman and When the Church is a Family calls a cult of radical individualism. It's all about me and Jesus and my perspective about my old friends and about my music and about my lifestyle and about my perspective on everything, me, 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 oh, praise me, oh, praise me, all ye nation. We, we, have been, we have been indoctrinated. I You know, I was reading a thing about narcissism, and I've been wanting, you know, John happened to mention the thing about Coke makes you happy or whatever, and uh, so I've been, this, this article on narcissism says that what the advertising industry tries to do is create an insecurity in you and then say your, their product is the answer. You know, oh, you have bad breath. And yeah, therefore you need scope. And I've been watching and like commercial after commercial, you know, even when the, the way they sell cell phones is you're like, your cell phone's not as cool as, the, as someone else's, you know, and you got to get, a, you're, you're, you got to catch up with the cool factor, <laughs> you know, they, tr- you know, it's, they try to appeal to your self worth being built in their product. And part of spiritual warfare is building your self-identity and your self-worth and your purpose in what the Bible says about you, not about the advertising industry. Look, um, I have here in point three seasons of decreased individualism and increased missional community. In other words, if you're increasing in belonging or accountability or service or practicals of the crucifixion, where you're less, you know, less. Where you're more dead to sin and alive to Christ. If you're learning how to function in teams of teamwork. Uh, if you're increasing in in a, in a healthy relationship of father son formation. If you're if you're signing up to, you know, gee, I signed up to do whiz kids and then all this. Terrible stuff started happening. Well, duh, <laughs> you know. So I can't. So you call Leah and you go, "I can't make it this week. My, I got a hangnail, uh, you know, and the, the sun's in my eyes, and it's so hot out, and uh, and I didn't get my homework done, and the dog ate my homework. <laughs> so you know, well, yeah, because you tried to take a step forward in Christ, right? Uh, fruit bearing, all these things, you know, cause. Uh, cause spiritual warfare because God's goal is what John the Baptist said he must increase and I must decrease Luke 16 12 if you don't ever get this scripture deep into you I don't think you'll ever amount to anything Uh oh pastor's putting a curse on us well not really Jesus said it I I'm I'm going that far if you don't understand this verse you'll never amount to anything Luke 16, 12. If you've not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you that which is your own? Now, you have a calling to, to be a businessman? First work for someone who's a successful businessman and make it your total goal for his business to become very prosperous. You want to be a successful pastor? Help a pastor who's who's successful and make sure it's how the bible defines success. You know, uh it's there's a reason why little boys want to be like their dad. It's an it's a process God want, wants you to have. You know I'm uh 39 years in the lord. I'm hoping that next year is my 40th year. I'm really investing a lot into trying to lay a foundation of us getting up to 40 or 50 people in this coming school year, because I'm hoping it'll be the foundation of birthing something very significant in the next years. And I'm trying to invest in certain people, a lot of time and effort for them to become leaders in rock campus fellowship and kids rock house and, and other outreaches that we're going to have. But I I'm so happy that of my thirty nine years in Christ, more than half of them, I've not been the senior pastor, and I was building someone else's ministry. From the, the from the first nine years, ten years in Bowling Green, to the years with Pastor Brown, to the years in the vineyard, etc. Even now, I think regularly. And often about the debt I owe to guys like Joseph McAuliffe, Peter Doane, Ray Nethery, Eric Meyer, Lou Callagher, uh, Ken Jenkins, all these brothers who invested in me. And I owe them the things that we pioneered and the, the things we learned by trial and error. I owe keeping that which is good, weeding out that which wasn't so good. But I, I, The reason I study so much church history is I owe Martin Luther. I owe John Calvin. I owe St. Augustine. I owe all the great saints named Gregory, Uh, which uh, there were many, And, and so forth. Bernard of Clairvaux. Read about him. Try to be like him. You know, it's it's being faithful in that which is another's. I'm scheduled to say this somewhere, so I'll, but I'll, in case I forget, I'll just say it now. Something I really noticed a long time ago, of course there's corporations and therefore they, and they be, create this artificial legal person when they sell stock and so forth. So frankly, there's some good and bad and all that. But when it comes to family businesses, one of, notice this: one of the things that happens is that a family business succeeds most when the second and third generation have good integrity. They're faithful to what their father's best points were, and they and they correct his worst points. That's what I love about John. He's actually able to take a lot of the stuff that he's learned from me over the years and put them with more balance and wisdom and so forth. He doesn't struggle with some of the character things I struggled with young because his mother brought him up right. (laughs) But, uh, uh, you know, look, you know, uh, you know, Sydney works for a company called Shepherd Chemical. It's a family-owned company that's really doing great in its second, third, and fourth generation. What is it, third or fourth? Fourth generation. When we were doing the, when the, we were doing the, the special events, like the, the thing we did that uh, got a move or whatever down there on August 1st, and I was uh, part of the team that was raising the p- prizes and so forth, uh, Carla Lee and I did most of that. Um, the, the highlight for me of the whole thing was this conversation I had, uh, two conversations I had, one with the granddaughter of Vic Cassano and the other with the granddaughter of the Brennan family who started Jack's Aquarium. And I asked them some questions about their father. And I reminded um I send an email to the to the Cassano girl, lady, she's she's you know adult, she's head of one of their departments and uh about an ex, uh some experiences that I had with Vic Cassano many years ago where he would come to our car washes and, and the suggested donation was three dollars and he'd always give like twenty-five dollars. And uh you know, most most things do best in their second and third generation. Think about, but you know, what Satan understands, the woman and the male child, the only chance he really has to stop it is to not let it get birth in the first place. But whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So in, in essence, what happens is the fire ideals he's trying to bring will in the end be what forms us in Christ, Right? All right. Well, we talked about point B down there. We talked about three inextricably intertwined enemies last week. Hopefully, you know this, the, the old nature or the sin nature, the world system, Satan and his kingdom. We talked about three types uh, of beings, and hopefully point D, spiritual warfare and temptation are allowed for a limited purpose in a limited season. Now, there's three battlegrounds. I don't have time to develop all this, but the battles are in heavenly places. Part of what we need to do is be consistent with Friday night prayer, which uh, I talked to uh, certain people, and we will be making sure that even though we only have uh, John and the worship team leading every other week, we are going to have Friday night prayer every week in fellowship and fellowship activity, and we're going to get that stirred up this coming week. We got to have it. So, and whether you're doing good or bad in the Lord, come stand in grace and worship and pray Um, your mind and your and your soulical realm i should put that is your emotions and your affections and your feelings your moods those are a place where spiritual warfare comes against you and finally there are seven institutions of government that satan the the especially the self-government of individuals the family and the church satan doesn't is always attacking those the three things primarily because when in capturing them, he can capture the others. The reason they have so much trouble in these public schools is in part that they have a secular humanistic philosophy, in part that they are tied by the federal government to not have any abilities, to have any disciplines, and so forth. But it's mostly the breakdown of the family and the kids that are coming in the door. Are so confused, hurt, broken, demonized, etc., that you got one teacher for thirty really troubled kids. No psychologist could handle that. And so, uh, you know, God want the more we become the answer inside ourselves, the more we can take the answer to others. All right, so all the enemy's schemes, strategies, and attacks proceed from his nature. I really wanted to give myself more time for this one today, but uh, I'm having trouble allocating my time. Pride. You know, Proverbs 18.1 says, He who uh, separates himself seeks his own desire. Obadiah 3 says, The pride of your heart has deceived you rebellion Isaiah 53 5 says all we like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way if you if you uh, can't take instructions from your boss at work or your father in your family or your uh, instructors in school and you're always complaining about them and so forth you know what even when Pharaoh is your instructor you're to have a Uh, respectful attitude and do the best job you can on the assignment, right? Moses grew up in Pharaoh's courts. God, Daniel was in Babylon. Believe me, in the schools that he attended, he fought through and knew his Bible and kept his Hebrew worldview and, and and walked with God, but he had to, but God ordained that he would know all the wisdom of the Chaldeans. God sends people to worldly schools to become doctors and lawyers and economists and accountants and uh, programmers and computer engineers and marketing majors and business uh, entrepreneurs and so forth. Isaiah 53, 5 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. A, a, A humble guy can find spiritual authority everywhere. Now, God doesn't want you to submit to your, your atheist philosophy teacher's worldview, or to not read the Bible because he says you shouldn't read the Bible, or to believe his views of the Bible. But he, he has called you to, to do the homework and get an A and, and be an honor student. Unbelief. It takes many manifestations and there's many kinds of attacks of unbelief. In Genesis 3, one of them, you know, he says, Indeed hath God said. He accuses God. Anything that questions whether God is just or God is right or that questions God's character at all is right from the serpent's tongue. You're French kissing with the devil when you buy that stuff. Yeah. So... Um, I got that from uh, one time I was with a preacher who was talking to this guy who was a really, really severe alcoholic, and he was drinking his vodka while he's talking to this preacher. And the preacher said, every time you put that bottle to your lip, you're French kissing with the devil. And in his spiritual condition, he was. You know, Matthew 4, the serpent says, indeed, half God said. He said. And then he says, if you're the son of God, Satan will attack your identity. Oh, you've done too bad of things, you can never be forgiven. I remember feeling like that when I was a baby Christian. And there's no way out of that except to take your stand on what God's word says. Because no matter what your sin is, you'll think it's the one that's unforgivable. You know, I had this friend, Mike Manahan, he was an Eagle Scout and they got in trouble one time in their whole life. And I used to think, how can you do that? <laughs> the only once." But you know, like, you know, if you want to buy into it, oh, I crashed bottles in the street and broke them. Uh, you know, what are it took? I was a Christian and it took me five years to overcome lust or to overcome uh, gluttony. Or uh, <laughs> that's, that's my credentials right there. Uh, you know, nonsense. One of the things you have to do to grow up in the Lord is you have to to never make peace with your sin nature, but make peace with the fact that you're a sinner, and God's not like oh, oh my goodness, it took me you know what I don't know why, but God had to nearly beat me to death before I came to Christ. My parents became Christians seven years before I did and and they made me read all these Christian books all the time, like by David Wilkerson and Run, baby, run, and and all the the cross and the switchblade, and those were my punishments, and uh, and the Satan cellar, and then I had to go to the all these crusades. I didn't know that it, later I'd be glad that I met Dennis Bennett because I was uh, on drugs, and I was like Dennis Bennett, oh my God, he's talking about the Holy Spirit and stuff. What a whack, you know, <laughs> you know, I was lost, but. You know, but, you know, I could beat myself up forever about it. Gee, it was the truth was right in front of me for like seven or eight years. You know, God started not my head. I went to see Billy Graham in 1972 and I sensed something. And I thought maybe what he's saying is from God. And, you know, well, God had to just about kill me. And finally, a couple of years later, I, I said, OK, I give up. I'll become a Christian. <laughs> you know, you you know what? Satan wants to attack your identity, and you are this. You are chosen of Jesus Christ for no good reason that will ever be explainable. (laughs) Because he said so. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. You didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you. Predestination, election, and so forth. God decided to have mercy on me. Now, that doesn't make any sense. You could, if you want to get in all this humanistic crap, I, you could, you know, I, yeah, I probably was the worst perverted, wicked little imp in my high school. But that doesn't matter. What matters is he died on the cross and rose again. And he opened your eyes to say, save me wasn't very spiritual but it was desperate (laughs) you know help that's that's what it means to become a born-again christian (laughs) oh my god i'm a wicked sinner and satan's got me i'm i'm confused i'm lost i i'm hateful i'm a nasty mean person i pull the legs off frogs you know what (laughs) you know (laughs) save me unbelief the God you know that is the gospel God Jesus granted you confession of sins he granted you conviction of sins I wasn't was I concerned about my sins (laughs) and sometimes it's gradual I can remember in high school I I, uh I gotta stop soon but you know and I'll pick it up with uh, next week I'll just get into these seven these seven areas that Satan comes to us through because they come out of his character but God comes out of his character he convicts us no one can come to me unless the father he draws us it doesn't matter if that drawing if you kicked and screamed and and had a temper tantrum for for seven years 10 years 20 years it just matters that finally you go okay i give up jesus be my lord then you can testify at church next week i've been looking for god all my life and i'm true true seeker i received him well, God's going to have to work on the process of sanctification to quit making you a liar. <laughs> you know, my friend, John Buzak is, uh, who's one of my many friends who died young. Uh, unfortunately we lived, we lived terribly, but he, he says, are you going to the, the graduation parties next week? And I, I was like the party in this animal in the whole high school. I, I don't even know why he asked me that. And, uh, but I was starting to think about God and read the Bible, and I was a little bit convicted and a little bit confused. And, totally, and I go, I don't think so. And he goes, why not? And I said, there's going to be a lot of sin in there. And then I, 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 I kind of stepped out and looked at myself, like, going to be a lot of sin in there? What the hell? Where did that come from? <laughs> And he goes, yeah, that's the reason I'm going. <laughs> and I said, I don't even believe I said that. <laughs> you know. So anyway, you know, the whole, all I'm saying is this. You may feel like you're the most wicked sinner in this church. And you might even be in the top ten. All y'all, none of you can, can pass me, but... <laughs> But the truth is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you were Kip Miller, whose nickname was Arrow because he was so straight back when straight meant you didn't drink or or smoke. Or or you always went to church and read your Bible and, and were nasty nice. Or if you, the fact is, he had the same sin nature I had. And God had to go to different, God was bigger than both of us and got both of us. He has to get those self-righteous kind of guys out of their self-righteousness, which is n- nowhere. And he has to get all the party animals out of their party, in, which is nowhere. And it, it all gets down to Christ and what he did. And in spiritual warfare, Satan will allow you to have feelings of every kind of thing until you stand firm. Forever, I was born of God. Nothing can shake that. There's no other foundation. I just did that to be crazy at the end. You have to, you have to stand firm. And you'll never stand firm on your, oh, I'm going to stand firm. We always, when we read those verses about stand firm, we go, I've got to stand firm. No. You've got to give it up to Him who can st- and stand firm in Him. Amen.